Welcome to JRoot Radio. This is the Halakha Hour on Wednesday afternoon live at 2 o'clock. We'll be here with you from 2 to 3 p.m. Hashem. The Halakha Hour is the class where we speak practical Halakha. We work off the book, the Benish Hai. And before we get to the regular numbers and everything, let's first tell you a very important announcement. And that is that the JRoot Radio is ready to come out with its second magazine. The first one was very, very well received, Baruch Hashem. As uh, I was told, that the moment they put it into the shuls, the boxes into the shuls, already the boxes, within the same day, they were called to bring more back to the shuls. And Baruch Hashem, we had a great feedback for it. And they're ready to put out their second, um, their second magazine, Rezat Hashem, for Hanukkah, with articles by many of the rabbis and the people here from JRU Radio. And there's still time for people, if they still want to buy an advertisement, or if they would like to participate in the in helping in the funding of this magazine, of course you can get in touch with J Root Radio. The numbers I don't know if they'll help right now, but you all know the numbers. You call in and you ask to speak to Iran, and he'll help you. And if anybody would like to be mishtatef to be involved in this big mitzvah, now let's get to the halakha. And before we get to the halakhot, we'll give you the numbers to the station. The numbers here are seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. And the text line is 347-927-8398. To listen, you can listen in a number of ways. You could go online, jrootradio.com. You could download the app, or if you have the app, just press the button, and the app will go on. The app is called JRoot Radio Pro App. I'm surprised how many people who know about the website, and they know about the station, but they don't know about the app. Yes, the app is unbelievable. Fantastic. Just press it, and you can hear everything live. You can also see some of the archives. If you'd like to watch live, it's also on jradio.com we are being videoed live and you could also listen on the phone 718-506-9099 we are up to part five in parashat vayishlah vayishlah we said already in the introduction to the parashat the halakha is the halakha discusses the laws of what we can speak about on shabbat and like we said that we're going to speak about also eventually the laws of Amir al-Akum. That will not be for a little bit, but right now we are in the second part of the class. And that is the laws of what one could read on Shabbat. We started last week. If you didn't hear last week's class, it's very important that you go back to it. Because a lot of important fundamental points were mentioned in last week's class. This class is really building upon last week, which we weren't able to finish. And... We're just going to more of the practical examples in this week's class. I forgot to end. Sorry, one more thing. The sponsor, the class this week is sponsored there for Ashilma of Yaakov and Jenny and all those that were injured in Eris Israel from last week's uh, massacre, horrible attack in Harnov, and also for the Yelid Yosef Ben Sofit. Let's continue. In the halakhot that we learned last week, we, we learned what one could read and what one could not read. And just very, very short, just to summarize what we learned last week. And that is that Hakamim made a special gezerah called Shtarei Hediotot. The Shtarei Hediotot literally means these are documents that are non-Torah documents. Specifically, they refer to documents that deal with persons' bills, calculations, all these different types of things. Practically, something like a bank account or your credit card bill or your phone bill, all these are in the category of Shtarei Hediotot. Hazal said, you're not allowed to read it on Shabbat. Three reasons amongst the Rishonim why you cannot read it on Shabbat. Maybe it might come to race. Maybe it might come to write. And uh, so the Hakamim told, or, or like Rashi says, Asot Hafatzecha, because you are doing your Hafatim, like the Pasuk says you cannot do on Shabbat. In any case, this is forbidden on Shabbat. And Hakamim made also additional Gezerot that are also forbidden on Shabbat, which are all part of the same category. Although they might not be Shtarei Hediotot themselves, but there are additional things that the, the Hakamim forbade. And mainly we mentioned last week what they were. But mainly, basically, these are things that may lead you either to reach Tarahid Yotot or might lead you to race on Shabbat. So we listed what they were last week from the Shuhan Aruch, but we only listed what they were. We didn't explain, we didn't go into the, basically, the, the practical, the different cases that might come out of them. And... We saw that there's many things basically, basically it comes down, anything that's not Torah, you're really not allowed, allowed to read. To the point that there was at one point in history, not anymore, 
At one point of history, even things that we call Torah, like Ketubim, the book of Daniel, it's a sefer, if it falls on the floor, you kiss it. There was a point in Jewish history that we're not allowed to read it because it took away from the learning of Torah. Not anymore, not in our days anymore, you could read Sefer Daniel on Shabbat, but we're just pointing out that there's many, many things that the Hakamim also forbade that one could read on Shabbat. Now, we moved on to the Benish Hai after this big introduction. We went and we learned Halakha Zayin. Now we're up to Halakha Het. We'll read from the Benish Hai, basically a Heter. And from this Heter, we'll start already explaining all the different things that, are, that one could read and some things that really one could not read. We'll actually see that there's Mahlokid and some things between Ashkenazim and as we'll see. So let's go to the Benish Hai, Halakha Het, and Parashat Islam. If a person wants to invite people for his house on Shabbat, and now he wants to write down their names to remember, uh, this is uh, you know one of those people that are very very put together. They want to have everything organized, so they have a list exactly who's coming. Why? He shouldn't forget to read them on Shabbat. And when they come in, he knows this person Abraham is sitting over here, Yitzhak over here, Yaakov over here, Reuben, Shimon. And he has a C for everybody. He has them all written on a piece of paper. Here's another case. You have another case of a person is making a simha, an off-roof, or what they call the Sabbath, and they have on Shabbat, he's getting aliyah to the Sabbath Torah, and he has all his friends and relatives coming, and the Gabbai says to him, listen, I need to know who's going to get which aliyah. So, of course, you don't want to offend anybody. You want to write everything down on a piece of paper. Of course, this is being done. The writing is being done from before Shabbat. It's forbidden for the person making the party, in the case where he wrote the guest coming to eat by his house on Shabbat, or for the person, the Abiyah bin, or the person who was inviting, the person who was in charge of the party, the one who was making that list, it's as soon for him to read that what he wrote on Shabbat. And you say, why? We're not talking about a Saudat um, where people are doing Hallelujah, Hasbi Shalom, where they're just you know wasting time. No, it's Saudat Shabbat, it's it's a Simha, it's a Saudat Shal Mitzvah, it's Saudat Hatam Vekala. It's better. What do you want better than that? It's a list for who's going to go up to the Sefer Torah. You can't get better than this. Still, it's a Sur. Why? The Gazru Hazal, this is a Gezira from the Gemara, which is also Shahan Ruch, which we read a little bit last week. Maybe you don't want to invite somebody to go up to the Sefer Torah. Maybe you don't want to put somebody down in the Sauda. You might come to erase one of those names. Hakimim said, forget it. We're going to be Gozir. How practical is it? How likely is it? Doesn't make a difference. The Xerah took effect already. Hakimim saw the fear for such an issue to take place and they already made the Xerah. We cannot come now and uproot the Xerah. The Xerah is here. We just have to learn now how to apply the Gezerah and how to deal with it. So, although you tell me, I know myself, I'm not going to erase anything. It's written in ink. It's printed. It's impossible to erase. It's, it's you know, printed from a printer. doesn't make a difference. Once the Gezerah, we have to know a very important rule when it comes to Gezerah of Hakamim. When Hazar make a Gezerah, they make a Gezerah all the way. The Hakamim, when they, you know, it's kind of like um, you have a rule. If anybody who's been in a classroom, any teacher has been in a classroom, or really parents who really want to make sure that the house runs in a certain fashion and you don't want to let the kids go out of control. So you make rules in the house and you don't make exceptions. Sometimes the good people also go with it. Meaning, let's say, for example, a teacher will say, no more going to the bathroom. Right? There's a 45-minute period. Nobody's allowed to go to the bathroom. It could be possible and likely that there's a few kids in there that are really good kids. They really don't abuse the rule of going to the bathroom. They really need to go to the bathroom. They'll never go unless they really need to go. And they're not going to raise their hand unless they really need to go. But it does make a difference. In order for the teacher to have that rule take effect, he has to ensure that his rule of not going to the bathroom will apply to everybody. He can't make exceptions. So I have learned in the class, 10 kids for sure will not abuse the rule. 10 kids for sure will abuse the rule. And 10, you know, are there in Suffolk. If I want to make this rule, and I want to make sure that this rule will be in effect, I have to be gozer on everybody. All 30 kids cannot go out of the class to the bathroom in the middle of the period, in a 45-minute period. You have to wait, either go before or go afterwards. It doesn't make a difference. You can't make exceptions. This is Hakamim made gezerot as well. Hakamim saw there was a need to make gezerah. In order to help us not to come to commit na'avirah, they didn't come and say, 
okay, you, you're a tzaddik. You are, you're a person who is exceptional. You could be an exemption from the rule. It doesn't apply to rule. It doesn't work that way. Once the gzera was needed, it was made, and as the Gemara says, lo plug, without distinctions. Everybody is going to be under the category of the gzera, and that's the only way gezerot will work. That's the only way the decrees of the rabbis will be able to take effect. Once you make exceptions for some who really do qualify for the exceptions and even those who don't qualify for the exceptions will take advantage of the rule and the rule will not take effect because they see, hey, how come him? It's not fair. Well, only him and not me. Therefore, it doesn't apply. Gezera has to be all the way. So we come back to our list. You wrote a list in ink. There's no way possible you're going to erase it, but it does make a difference. You wrote the list of who's going to get an aliyah to the Sefer Torah. Hakimim said, any list that's written, that person has to read himself on Shabbat, since it might lead you to erase something from the list, cannot be read on Shabbat. This doesn't make a difference if the list is written for something that is not a mitzvah, and even for a mitzvah, like getting aliyah, aliyah is also a sur. There's an additional reason why Hakamim said you cannot read from the list. What is that? brings other reasons, but we saw in Aruch as well, that you might come to read in And the additional reason is that you might come to read from this list something else that is forbidden to read because you're reading something that not necessarily is directly Torah. There's no Pesukim on it. It doesn't say, you know, uh, Torah on it. All it says, it's just a list of people. You might come to read also a list of items that you purchased on your credit card as well. So therefore, for these two reasons, Hakamim made this gizra, you cannot read this document. Again, even though you, the person, you might say to yourself, I'm an exception. Me, I'll, I'm not going to race. I never race in my life. Even during the weekday, I don't race. And it never will lead me to read something else. It doesn't make a difference. Loplu Gramanan Hakamim made a gizra, and that's it. Once a gizra is done, it's all the way. Abal, but here's the exception to the rule. And from this exception, Rabotai, that's where we'll see a lot of different heterim with this exception. Here's the exception to the rule. You should know, before I get to the exception, this exception is not agreed upon by everybody. There is a mahlokit by the Ahronim. The Bah holds that this exception is not an exception. You cannot use any exceptions. Like we just said, exera is exera. No exceptions. And it's always going to be forbidden to read any sort of list by anybody. Magen Abraham, however, disagrees, and most of the Ahronim go like the Magen Abraham. Not only that, the Magen Abraham says that is the Minhag. And usually, whenever we, we have a big, big rabbi saying, you know, not rabbi, you know, mean to say, a gadol, a big posek from the poskim, the last two, three hundred years ago, saying this is a Minhag, then already there's nothing to argue. This is a Minhag, and then that's it. We follow what the Minhag says. So the Magen Abraham says that the Minhag is to be lenient. With the following leniency. What is the leniency? The, the heter, the way that's permitted for this list to be read on Shabbat, is with two conditions. Number one, it has to be read by somebody besides the owner, besides the one who made the list, besides the one that has in the, uh, the power to change the list, in this case where a person, let's take a person who's getting married, his name is Yitzhak, like we just said, oh no, this week's parasha, Yaakov Abinu. Okay, let's say Yaakov is getting married, and Yaakov now makes a list of all the relatives that are coming to shul on Shabbat in order to give them aliyot. So he has on the list, of course, his father Yitzhak, and he has his brother Isav, and his, and his, and his father-in-law Lavan, and he has his brother-in-laws, and his cousins, and his friends. All these people are supposed to get aliyot. Yaakov himself cannot read the list. However, Eliezer, the one who is the one in charge of the shul, the one who's going to honor people, you know, invite them to go get the aliyah, he's allowed to read the list because he's not the owner himself. He can't change the list. He's given the list and he, that's it. He follows the rules. He says, you give Yitzhak Kohen, you give Yitzhak Kohen. You give Isav Hagba, uh, you give Isav Laban Petiha, you give Laban Petiha. That's it. He just follows the list. It doesn't make a difference to him. He cannot erase it. Also, condition number two is that whoever is reading the list, in this case, the shamash, the person in charge of the shul who is giving out the aliyot, the gabai, he cannot read it with his mouth. He can only read it with his eyes. That's what he brings over here. This is, this is again, like we said, this is the heter 
for reading such lists as long as it's not read by the person himself and it's being done only by reading through uh, only with your eyes. Now you're going to ask me what happened to the Gizera? He explains why not, why this is not a Gizera. Number one is, what, the, remember we said there's two reasons why a person cannot read this list. Number one is because, meaning, let me, let me correct myself. Clarify myself. There's two re there are two reasons why a person cannot why Yaqub, the Hatan, who's making the list, cannot read this list on Shabbat. Number one is he might come to race from the list. The two is that he it might lead him to read other things. So the first reason doesn't apply by Le'Aizah, who in this case is the Shamash. Why not? Because being the Gabbai of the Shul, he has no authority to change anything on the list. So the Gizra Shemaim Haq doesn't apply, as Ben Shai says over here. But you might tell me one, one second. What about the second reason why you can't read such a list? Because you might come to read Still, Because the other heter is that you this is a list that's talking about a mitzvah. You have a list where you want to invite people to the Torah, to the Sefer Torah, to get an aliyah, to be honored for the Sefer Torah. That's a mitzvah. To read in the Torah is a mitzvah. So therefore, in cases of mitzvah, they did not make such a gzira. As we learned, one of the reasons why a person cannot read the other documents because you might come to read Shittarei Hediotot is because the reason is because of asot hafatsecha, you're doing your need. And Gemara says, and that's Halakha mentioned Vav, is that hafatsecha asurim, but hafse shamay mutarim. Hazan never will go there on something that's a mitzvah. That's only in the category of asot hafatsecha. If it's a mitzvah, hachamim will not go there. So in this case, although you don't have the reason that you might. You know, because it's a mitzvah, you're not, it's not going to lead you. They won't go there. It's a mitzvah. They won't get, it's not going to lead you to read in other documents. But you might have the reason of Shemaim Hok that you might come to raise. For that, we fix it. How? By letting somebody else read it. Somebody else who doesn't have the power to change it or the authority to change anything on the list, for him, it's permitted to read such a list. But here is another condition with reading this document. Number one, like we said, it cannot be done by the person or the person, any person has authority to change from the list. Number two, also, it has to be done with reading his eyes. And there's another condition that then after reading it, you cannot go back to read it. You know what it says already. You already used it. There's no purpose in reading it anymore. That's it. You got to put it away. Another heter, another example of this heter. Another thing they used to do in their days was that they would read things that are being done. You know, sometimes the committee or the rabbis would get together and make a new takana and make a new, it would set up a new rule, a new law in the community or in the shul. And on Shabbat, they would come out and they would read on Shabbat what this new rule is. Similar to what we do today, in many shoes I've seen, the president or the rabbi will get up right before Alain al-Shabayah, the schedule for Shabbat is as follows. Shahri tomorrow will be at this time. Classes will be at this time. Minha is at this time. Saudashi she is this person. Then they read from a list. How could you read from that list? Didn't we just say you can't read from the list? It's the same hit there. Why could you read from the list? Or, or you personally, how could you read the schedule from in the shul? And the answer is because you're not the one who wrote it. You don't have the authority to change what it says on the schedule. It's not like you could go and say, no, I don't like Minha being at 4 o'clock. Let me change it to 3.50. It doesn't work that way. Minha is 4 o'clock. That's where it's going to be. And therefore, you don't have that problem. Also, you're going to tell me, but what about the problem? You might, it might come to lead you to read the forbidden documents. So that also being that the schedule of Shabbat is Edvar Mizvah, Something that's a mitzvah, we don't have the, the manhag is to be lenient to read it with your eyes. So now we found a very, very important heter. The heter is that as long as it's something of a mitzvah, something, a document that's related to a mitzvah, although it might not be the Torah itself, we mentioned last week already, 
Anything that's the Torah, <coughs> that's for sure mutar. Because you read in Torah on Shabbat, what do you want better than that? But something even that's not Torah, as long as they relate to Mitzvah, it's mutar on the condition that you don't have the ability to erase it because you don't have the authority to erase anything from it. And now let's give you another example to this. <clears throat> A case where the there's in many shuls, they, ha they have a special prayer for the people who are sick. And they write the names of the people who are sick on the on a, on a, on a Mishra Berach list. So they'll say, Mishra Berach, and specifically too, and they'll go and read from the list who is going to be a, who's, who's needs Refua Shalema. Likewise, in many shoes also, they, I know we do this on Yom Kippur sometimes, is that sometimes you have to say a And especially on Kippur, everybody wants the names of some relatives, and some people have 10, 15 relatives, and there's a big list. You have 10, 15 relatives, times 100 people. That's a thousand names already. So to sit there and to go and read and to go and wait for everybody to come and say it takes a long time. So in some shoes, what they do, what we've done in the past, is that you write a list of everybody's names. Whoever needs a Misha Berach, whoever needs a Hashkabah, come and write your names before Yom Kippur. Or it could be the same thing. People sometimes want, you know, they, in order the shuls want to help sponsor classes or, or the programs in the shuls. So they'll say, especially Misha Barak, for the people who are Tomech, the people who are supporting the place. And they write their names on the list. Again, in all these cases, it's a list of a mitzvah. It's a list of people who need Refuah Shalimah. It's a list of people who need to have Hashkabah. Or it's a list of people who are getting a Misha Barak for supporting the shul. It's a list of mitzvah. So you have no problem of confusing a list, a document of mitzvah, with with another document that's not mitzvah. What's the other problem? You might come to erase? No. You're not the one. You have no authority to erase. You're given the list and you read it. You're as the rabbi. you as the gabai. This is the list. Whatever it is, you're going to read it. You're going to tell me, what about if Hasbe Shalom, a person was sick, and he found out Shabbat that he passed away? You're still not going to erase it. It's not very, very unlikely. In such a case, you don't have to worry about it. The minhag is to be lenient. This is what the Sfarim bring down. Minhag is to be lenient. This will apply also. If a person has a simhat in the shul, <clears throat> and by the Misha Berach, when they say, you know, by the Sfaradim, <clears throat> you can't get an aliyah on Shabbat for free. <laughs> right away, when you finish the Berachot, you get a Misha Berach. We're getting a Berachah, but it's going to cost you. Ah, it might cost you a few dollars. In some places, it's a few hundred dollars, it's going to cost you. But Baruch Hashem, you know, it's a, it's a happy cause. It's, it's a good cause. It's a good way to spend your money on the, in shuls and for a mitzvah. In any case, so usually when a person gets a Misha Berach, especially if there's a Simha going on in the shul, so they want to say also, you know, at the end, they say to the life, you know, Hashem should give life also to the Baal Simha, this one and this family and that family. And a lot of times the family, one family is from the shul, the other family is not from the shul. And the Gabbai is writing on a piece of paper who the families are on the shul, from the meaning to say who the families are in the shul for the simha, that's also mutar. The gabai could read, and then he goes to the list. All that, that's all mutar. Again, it's a list of a mitzvah, and he doesn't have the authority to erase any person's name from the list. <clears throat> Another example that's brought down and very, very practical. In yeshivot, they have something called Toranut. What that is, is that every yeshiva, when they say for Shabbat, they have Sa'udot on Shabbat. And in order to help the yeshiva with money, and, and the yeshiva shouldn't spend so much money, so what they do is, they bring, they have the students, the Talmidim, they take rotations, they do, you know, different shifts. And every, let's say Shabbat, depends on how big the yeshiva is, two to about two or four uh, Bahurim are in charge of setting up and cleaning up. And everybody has to read the list to see when his turn is. To read such signs on Shabbat is also mutar. Why? Because he's setting up for the Saudi of Shabbat. And of course, they tell me that as much as he wants maybe to erase his name off the list, that he doesn't want to be the one who wants to uh, set up for the table, doesn't make a difference. The Rosh Hashiva or the Meshgiach already wrote your name on the list, and that's it. You're done. You have to go. All this is also mutar. There's a big Hiddush that Rabbi, Rabbi Nisim Karelis brings down. He says, in the case of a woman who needs to be so organized and she needs to know exactly what's being served, 
and she needs to have she needs to write a schedule. She let's say she's making some hot in the house, and she has fifty people coming to the house. It's a lot of pressure. Well, us men, we just go and eat. We don't know what it what it takes for a woman to go and set up. Even though you might pay for the food, even though you might put some spices in the chalant, Baruch, but at the end of the day, that pressure of have of preparing the house, that the house should look nice and everything should go smoothly, the wife feels it. Even if all you buy all the food and she's not cooking anything, the woman feels that pressure still that everything should run smoothly, everything should go nicely, everything should look nice and good. It's not just what you're serving, the food. It's also how you serve it and what you put. So a lot of women need to have everything organized and they need to have just for their own yeshuva dot they need to have this list of exactly what's being served first we have kiddush afterwards we have kala and then we have uh, i don't know it's faradi you have tahina and if you're ashkenazi you have exalit and and liver and everything has to be organized exactly what's coming out first and what's coming out second what's coming out third says of nisim karelitz even though it's a list that you might come to race maybe started your thought but being that's for sorek saudatma this could also be considered If you remember, we learned the halakha that a letter that comes to you on Shabbat, Maran says any letter that comes to you on Shabbat, you're allowed to read it if you don't know what it, what it contains because it might contain things that are for your physical well-being. As long as it doesn't talk about monetary things, but things for your physical well-being, it's mutar. Says of Nisim it's this type of list for this woman who needs to know what's going on, it's Sorchei HaGuf. Otherwise, she'll go crazy. Because she's going to go crazy, it's not going to work. Uh, it, it, she, so therefore, we, we permit her to read such a list. Even though you might read the halakha and say, what do you mean? It's not zemen or haim and that things. Rav Nisikala says, Matir. Rav Shlomo Zaman. Excuse me. Rav Nisikala says, Matir, but on a condition, sorry, that the lady doesn't read it herself, but she has somebody else reading it. But Rav Shlomo Zaman goes an extra step, and he's Matir, that the woman herself glance at it. Not to read it, but to glance at it. Again, the heter bar of Nisim is that the woman should not read it, but should have somebody else read it for her, because that person is not going to erase anything on the list. And Rav Shlomo Zaman says, even if she wants to look at the list, but she can't read it, she just just glance to remember. But she knows exactly what's going to come out. She knows there is fish, and there is this, and there's that. She knows exactly, but still, she just needs to be reminded sometimes. She gets nervous. That also is mutar. However, with all this, we're telling you some heterim, we have to point out something very, very important. Don't mix up the heter of letzorech mitzvah and to read something that's asur. All advertisements are forbidden. And it doesn't make a difference what the advertisement is about. Even if the advertisement is for something that's Jewish and, 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 and Judaica and sefarim, the new sefer of uh, Rav Chaim Kanievsky is coming out to the market. The new Yabiya Omer, Hela Kiraf, is coming out. We have it on sale for $9.99. Wow, $9.99. Unbelievable. What safe is $9.99 today? Get it while it's hot because it's going to, that's it. The next time the safe is going to come out, it's going to be in two years, right? And you want to run to it. That's a suit to read on Shabbat. Well, I'm telling you what it says already. But even to see, oh, this is Farim sale. Or right now we're coming up to Hanukkah, Menorah sale. It's a mitzvah to light candles. Or a wig sale. It's a mitzvah, she's covering her hair, the lady. Some weeks, whatever. Tefillin sale, all these things are forbidden to read. That is Shalei Hediotot. Even though they're speaking about a mitzvah, that is the classic of Shalei Hediotot. The things that are we just mentioned are not real Shalei Hediotot. The heterim, the things that are permitted that we mentioned are not real Shalei Hediotot. They're just things that might lead you to Shalei Hediotot. This is actual Shalei Hediotot. The actual sale, that's Mamash Shalei Hediotot, and therefore... It's absolutely forbidden to read any sort of advertisement, even if they're advertisement, even if they're advertising Jewish stuff. Even if I would advertise myself, it doesn't make a difference who's advertising. It is a sur for a person to read advertisements for things on sale on Shabbat. Another example, Hamza Vid Yosef brings down. In Israel, it's more shayach. Here, most people uh, for transportation, they'll use cars in Israel transportation most people don't have cars most people use buses and trains to read the schedule for the bus and the train is forbidden even if you're reading by the way in your own house and it's printed you know how they have the mta you know the the subway line exactly where it goes that's a surah shabbat even though you plan to get on the train right after shabbat in order to go to a wedding a mitzvah 
oh, you're planning to go to Shi'ur, you're planning to go to, to the, the Gulasi Sal Convention, or you're planning to go, it does make a difference. To read this bus schedule on Shabbat, that is mamash Shtarihidiyotot. It's not something that might lead to Shtarihidiyotot, that is Shtarihidiyotot, and therefore it's forbidden for a person to look at the bus or train schedule on Shabbat, even if he one doesn't express it with his mouth, it is still forbidden. Adkan is halakha hit, and basically we brought a very, very important hetir that much hetirim or much cases are, are uh, can be learned from it. Now, for the next part of the class, if you'd like to call them by, they could call them any time now, because for this part of the class already, we're going to bring many, many examples of different things that people either do read on Shabbat or might read on Shabbat or probably or, or want to read on Shabbat. And we're going to bring those examples. We're going to say what is permitted, what is forbidden, and why. So if you have a case, you have a, a case that you would like us to speak about, the best is by texting it in because it's very possible that it's probably on my list. And in case it's not on my list, I'll, I'll, I'll say it. You could also call in and you could ask about your case, your specific case. The numbers to the station are 718-683-5858. And to text in what, whatever you would like to ask about, you could text in at 347-927-8398. Let's begin. Books. <clears throat> Which books can or cannot be read on Shabbat? First, we're going to describe what the book is, and then we're going to say why. Let's start with Jewish books. What do I mean by Jewish books? Jewish books mean any book that deals with the Torah subject that's either based on Torah, based on or explaining the Torah, or it works of the, the, the lessons from the Torah. Like, for example, let's say you have, children, you have uh, parenting books that are based on Ma'amare Hazal. So that's what I call over here Jewish books. Because remember, the real, real Devre Torah on Shabbat is permitted. You want to open up and learn Rashi, of course it's mutar. Gemara, there's no question. Even not only that, even a person who has, you know, who wrote a Hiddush Torah, your son wrote a Hiddush Torah. And there's a mashal in the middle, and there's a story, and there's a joke in the middle of the article. It doesn't make a difference. All that, that's called Torah. Imagine, they're explaining a concept in Torah in their own way. That's all mutar on Shabbat. Talk about even books that are not necessarily coming to explain Torah. They're coming to teach you about parenting. They're coming to teach you about how to become a more confident person. But they're using the Torah. You know, if you go to Barnes & Noble, you'll see a whole section of self-help books. And over there, of course, not based on Torah. It's based on whatever they, they base it on. Sometimes it's uh, atheism, and sometimes it's, uh, it's uh, the other religions. But over here, these things, these are subjects that are universal. Still, once it's based on the Torah, based on the Torah, it's all mutar. So if you have a parenting book, I don't want to say names, but there are plenty of good ones. I just don't want to say one or two names. Everybody will think everyone else, the other ones are not good. So I don't want to say that. But there are plenty of parenting books which are based on Mamare Hazal. There are based, especially the ones that have an introduction by Gedolim. Obviously, that's all Pesukim and, 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 and uh, statements from the Gemara and lessons that we can learn from them. All that is 100% permitted. On Shabbat, no question. Also, books that lead you to do mitzvot. That means books that may speak something that's not directly explaining Torah, but it'll lead you to have love of God, it'll lead you to have fear of Hashem, Ahabat Hashem, Yirat Hashem, all permitted. You want an example? Somebody called last week and they said, Can we read biographies of Gedolim on Shabbat? That's an excellent question. Because based on what we learned, it's not really Torah. They're telling you the stories of this great rabbi when he was a kid and how he grew and how he... They're not really giving you any Hiddushet Torah over there. There's, uh, I think, one book on Aaron Cutler where the whole book is not a biography but rather lessons or teachings of Aaron Cutler. Most other biographies will just tell you basically the storyline of the Gadol. Here, the most recent one, the most famous one recently is Zacham Abadiyah's book. Fantastic, wonderful book. All the ones that came out on him. And each one talks about how he went to Egypt, and from Egypt he came back to Israel and he became a Dayan. From the becoming a Dayan, he went to become chief rabbi of Tel Aviv. From there, he went to become chief rabbi of, of Israel. And then he opened up Shas. All these things are stories and they're tales. They're not giving you any of his Hiddushim necessarily that he did. Still, those old mutar. Why? When you read about a Gadol, it brings you to 
love of Hashem. It brings you to learning more Torah. Go read the biography of Rav Yashiv. Go read about, you know what? Go read Rebetzin Kanievsky's book. And you read a whole section about Rav Chaim Kanievsky and how he learned what a matmiti was. Go read about Rav Shach, uh, Rav, Rav Shach also and, uh, and Rav Yashiv and Hakam Look how much, and you, when you read how much they dedicated their life to learning Torah and inspired you to learn Torah. So such books are in the category that I call Jewish books. And therefore, those are all permitted without a question. Next. Jewish novels. This is what we put. Let's put it under fiction books. Okay? All this has to be Jewish, by the way, because non-Jewish books, we mentioned last week, is forbidden even during the weekday. Non-Jewish books, stam, letzanut, and nonsense, that's asur. Things that, they, they, my master talk about things that are forbidden. Even, I've seen some books from from kids in high school, they have to read the Mamash curses in there and they speak about things that are, are, are a suit for a person to read them. Even the, the ones from hundreds of years ago, like Shakespeare and everything, all those, they spoke about romance and love and they give all the, they put all different types of Avirot uh, in a person's mind. That's for sure, forbidden even during the weekday. But we're talking about Jewish novels now. <clears throat> so, could you read such books? Again, I'm not saying any names, but they sell them in bookstores. As a rule, by the way, something that's being sold in a Jewish bookstore doesn't give it a hetero for everything. They sell candles in a Jewish bookstore and put it on on the bat? No. They sell Jewish books in a bookstore because you could read them during the weekday. The question is, can you read them on Shabbat? Do they fall under the category of being mutar of, of, uh, of Asur because Shtarei Hediotot or not? And the answer to this is as follows. If it's a book that gives a person Musar in then there's something to rely on. You could be so mech to read it. So what I've been told, my wife reads plenty of these books. So she told me that most of the books pretty much that she read always bring out some point of Musani Achamayim. And therefore, even though it's you only feel the point by the end of the book and you feel a little bit of uh, Musar and Achamayim, you know, like towards the end, you see how the big lesson is. And it might take you two weeks to get there, depends how fast you read. Still, since they bring out this point, it'll be permitted to rely on such a movement to read it. It's kind of like to, to explain the hit a little bit. It's kind of like, you know, you go to this, you know, different types of speakers. There's a rabbi who has a point. Most rabbis have one point and they want to give it over. Some rabbis will use a story, some will use a joke, and some rabbis will take the same story and joke that they could have said in five minutes. And stretch it for a full hour. Everybody has different ways. And you have to know who you're speaking to. If you're speaking to a crowd of yeshiva bahurim, so they don't need to hear a story for an hour. If you're speaking to a crowd of uh, ladies, especially people who are not so close to Torah, and they need, you know, they can't follow so much different hadushe Torah. So you need to take one hadush and bring out a beautiful long story to attract them. So fine, for them, it's the same idea. This book, is a two-week journey to bring out this one small point. If there's such a book that has Musani Achamayim, the Jewish novel that brings out Musani Achamayim, again, it's mutar if it's needed for a person. Of course, it's not like the other books, but a person who reads it on Shabbat has what to rely on because at the end of the day, it doesn't bring out Musar and Achamayim. But you have to know that it brings out such a thing. Next, speaking about books, what about textbooks? Meaning, science books, and you have encyclopedias, non-Jewish encyclopedias. These are books basically that contain wisdom. Not Jewish, but wisdom. They tell you about nature, they tell you about uh, chemistry, they tell you about uh, electricity, I don't know, they tell you about all different ty- types of things. Not, nothing as Surah Hasbeh Shalom, not why things are forbidden. Remember, things that speak about Lashon Hara and Nibul Peh, that's Asur even the weekday. Maran writes, we said, if you didn't hear last week's class, last week's class we mentioned <coughs> anybody who prints out such books is Mahdi Tarabim. We're not talking about those books. We're talking about books that have wisdom. So such books that have wisdom, if you remember last week, we mentioned the Mahlokit in Shohan Aruch. According to Shohan Aruch, which is the opinion of the Sfaradim, any books that don't lead to Torani Achamayim directly, I mean, of course, you could apply anything in a, and you know, you make it for Torani Achamayim. Talking about, you know, you, you look at the world and you'll see, wow, what a Amazing how the tree works and how the leaves fall off the tree and how the snow comes down. 
And from that, you could say, but that's not the purpose of the book. The purpose of the book is written that you should learn how the leaves fall off the tree. That, that's all it is. Pure, simple science. That's all it is. So such books of wisdom, <clears throat> according to Maran Shohan Aruf, it's a suit to read on Shabbat. According to the Ashkenazi, according to Maran, brings, however, Yeshim Mishim Matir, the Rashba. The Rashba is Matir to learn such books on Shabbat. So therefore, we tell you like this. If it's very necessary for a person to read it, and he's not going to, you know, he has nothing else to do, and he cannot come to learn Torah or whatever, and he wants to read it, he has what to be so on. Children, for sure, on the Bar Mitzvah, for sure, even Sfaradi children could do it. Ashkenazim have what to rely on also. Ashkenazim, the, the, the Ramah brings down, excuse me, the Mishnah brings down, they go like the Rashba, that permits reading books of wisdom. So therefore, such books, Textbooks, but a person needs to read it on Shabbat, Sfaradim should avoid it. Ashkenazim have what to rely on. Hamadiyah brings down if a person has a test, let's say high school kids, teenagers, or above the age of Bar Mitzvah, because remember, under the age of Bar Mitzvah, you could be Samech on the Yeshim Matir, that's for sure Mutar. But above the age of Bar Mitzvah, and now they have a test on Sunday or Monday, and they have a final, and they have to study, and they have to catch up on their study. And the only time they can study is Shabbat. Of course, you can study also Motzei Shabbat on Sunday. But they're not going to be able to just study on Motzei Shabbat on Sunday. They need to review and to learn it on Shabbat. Or let's say a person in college who has a test coming up, a final exam, or, or he's becoming a doctor, he's becoming a lawyer. All these things that Hamad says, as long as it's not being done on a regular basis, it's mutar for a person to rely on the Jayashim Atir. Again, only if it's not on a regular basis. You can't just go ahead. It's not a free hetero. Just open up any encyclopedia and read on Shabbat. Only if it's not done on a regular basis. Which leads us to the next question. What about cookbooks on Shabbat? Now cookbooks have two issues over here. Number one is, like we said, it could be Shtarehed Yotot. Number two is, maybe it's like Hachana. Because you read a nice thing in the cookbook. It says how to make uh, waffle in a way that you never imagined. Wow, I didn't know you could make waffles with lemons and, and uh, syrup. and Wow, that's amazing. Or it's going to make a new dish. Men are going to read it. You know, for men, it's not a problem with hakana. Because for men, they're just going to come to their wife and say, uh-huh, read page 49. You know, that's, that's not a problem. They're not going to actually cook. We're talking about ladies. Could ladies read cookbooks on Shabbat? So, that's one issue is hakana. The other issue is shtarehed yotot. As far as shtarehed yotot, we said already that this is a book of wisdom. Books of wisdom is mahloket. Ashkenazim mit mutar. As Sfaradim should try to avoid it unless it's necessary. But in this case of over here of, of Hakana, the Aharonim bring down that ladies who usually read text uh, cookbooks, not necessarily reading it because they're preparing themselves or they they want to prepare a dish, they're learning how to actually cook. There's an enjoyment of just learning of what's out there, of the foods that are out there. And interesting, it's kind of like a conversation, it's interesting. So therefore, the Ahronim, I believe, of Shomazam and Orbach and others bring down that's Mutar. Even Yakut Yosef brings down that's Mutar and that's Hakam Abadiyah. Also brings in Hazam Abadiyah Shabbat Halek Vav. But he concludes and he says, which means if it's possible for a lady that she, you know, she has something else to read, let her read something else. She shouldn't read cookbooks, Sfaradi lady, that is. A Sfaradi lady shouldn't read the cookbooks on Shabbat. It's better to be Mahmir. But again, it falls under books of wisdom, which Sfaradim have to try to avoid. Ashkenazim could read. And of course, this is all these things we keep on repeating. It's only if a person doesn't have uh, better things to read, things that everybody will agree that's mutalikat halah. Next category of things that are permitted or forbidden on Shabbat. The category is newspapers, magazines, flyers, invitations. Let's talk about these. Could you read them on Shabbat? What is mutar was not mutar? Let's begin with newspapers and we'll go on to magazines and the other things. Newspapers. Let's, before we continue, the only thing that when we say newspapers over here, it's got to be Jewish. It cannot be not religious newspapers. Why? Not religious newspapers. I don't know if anybody's picked up. For sure, the New York Post, that's pure garbage. There's no question. Yes, I'm saying it live. It is no, no doubt. Once upon a time, I used to read in Avatino Harabim. We know what's inside. That's pure 
nonsense that's assumed during the weekday even. Why? Non-religious newspapers have many things that are that are forbidden. Content that are forbidden. They have images, pictures of ladies not dressed properly. That's Asur. They have content. What they speak about, the way they speak about God, and the way they speak about different things and, and how they describe different events. It's also Asur. They also describe the Jewish people in a forbidden way. And of course, they have words of kefira, mamash kefira in, inside of it. So these are not my words. These are words of all the poskim. Non-Jewish newspapers are forbidden even during the weekday. Maybe, maybe during the weekday. During the weekday, if a person wants to read the sports section and it's clean, maybe over there. Okay, I understand for a little bit of entertainment. You want to know who's winning, which team is winning. Fine, there's no forbidden images over there. It's only pictures of men uh, almost dressed properly. And there's also, you know, what they're, gonna, they're not describing world events. They're not uh, attributing anything Shalom, to Abul Azarao or anything else. Okay, fine. Yes, Matt. We, you have to, what to rely on if a person needs, you know, wants, likes to follow sports. There's what to rely on. But otherwise, all the other things in the newspapers are garbage. Maybe also the business section during the weekday. On Shabbat, no, that's different. On Shabbat, it's forbidden to read those parts in the newspaper that even during the weekday would be muta. Which means, let's take the business section. Now we're already talking about all newspapers. Talking about even Jewish newspapers. If you get the famous ones, Hamodiyah, and the uh, Yated, these two famous ones, right? Everybody reads those newspapers. You're allowed to read them during the weekday, almost. But on Shabbat, <coughs> on Shabbat, you have to be careful of certain sections. Business section is Asur. Stock market, up and that's pure Shtarahed Yotot. Just because it's a, it's a Jewish newspaper, don't think that when they say, you know, we have Gedolim behind our newspaper, don't think that the Gedol actually every single week opens up the Modiah from the beginning to the end and goes through every page and says, oh, all this is mutat we read on Shabbat. you got to be kidding me. The newspaper is writing for a person to read on the weekday. They bring it out, they print it already from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and it's done for the news of the weekday. doesn't mean it's mutat we read on Shabbat. And I know, and I know that every hospital you go to, a Jewish hospital, they'll put out these newspapers on Shabbat. But you, as a person learning that, you have to be careful. You can't read sections that deal with business. This also includes advertisements. And advertisements are all over the newspaper. If you can't avoid the advertisements, you cannot read them. Advertisements, like we said, are forbidden to read on Shabbat. If you can read the article that you need to read about, let's say, you know, they have a Hadush Torah, which you're allowed to read on, 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 uh, from the newspaper on Shabbat. Or they have an article that talks about parenting. Or they have, to talk, they have an, a section that talks about, uh, you know, good health and all these things. Those, those are also a goof. Okay, you might have an issue, but things that you're allowed to read. Any advertisement that's on the page is forbidden. And regardless what they're advertising. If they're advertising a sale, if they're selling anything, it's Asur. Even if they're selling books, even if they're selling anything, that's Asur. So you have to be careful to avoid that. The other sections in the newspaper, <clears throat> the other sections in the newspaper, like... Um, let's see, I don't know, your, to your health or let's say jokes and all other things. So now you have to be careful because really things that are not based on Torah, then those things are, what are they then? Let's say current events. They're telling you what's going on in Israel. Is that mutar or asron Shabbat? During the weekday, okay, it's mutar. Some are material even to read about current events on Shabbat because it might help you. It's called sorcha haguf. It might be to your, it's important for you to know that there's anti-Semitism is, is growing and be careful not to flash your Judaism in the face of the Goyim. Oh, okay. It might be something that is important to, your, to, to, to know or your son is going to Israel and you need to know which places that he should avoid and you don't know what's going on in the news. Now you see it in the newspaper. Some are material. Although, Menuhat Abbas says, no, it's not on Shabbat. You could have read it on Friday. You got, obviously got this newspaper before Shabbat, so how could you read it on Shabbat? So it's debatable. Somebody who does read it has what to rely on. However, however, the things that are not necessarily of current events, things of wisdom, like we said, the health section, or you know, the, what's good to die, what, all these things of hukmah, we have the same mahluki between Sfaradim and Ashkenazim. Sfaradim have to avoid it. Ashkenazim, it's mutar. And all of these things that we said here, that are mutar on Shabbat from the newspaper, wherever, you know, the few sections that you could select, it's only mutar to read it with your eyes. You cannot read it with your mouth. 
to glance at it with your eyes, that's all mutar. But again, only with your eyes and not to actually read it. The same will apply to magazines. And again, the magazine doesn't make a difference. Even J-Root Radio, in the, like we said, they're coming out with a magazine. Wonderful magazine. Baruch Hashem, it's unbelievable. The last one was beautiful. You had everything pretty much. You had the radio imprint. That's what it was. You had the radio imprint. Not every section in there is mutar. If it's the Torah, there's no question. All I know the articles in the last one, all the Hebrew ones were all the Torah. There's no question about that. Even the other ones, Meshalim, all the things are for sure mutar. The kosher section, mutar, all these things. Things that deal with a person's health, that's sifre hukma. If it's based on Pesukim and Amare Hazal, it's mutar. If it's not based on that, you cannot read that on Shabbat if you're Sfaradi. And Ashkenazi have what to rely on that they can be knowing. Again, even if Sfaradi wants to read the health section in a newspaper or in a magazine, it's mutar if there's nothing else. They have what to rely on. Really, Sfaradim lechat halal should not. It's really because Maran Kotamaran Sasur. But since there's something what to be so mechan, I'm not going to go crazy and, and, and yell about it. In a magazine, you have another hitter. And that is the pictures. Pictures are in the magazine. You'll have to glance at the pictures. Again, permitted pictures. We're talking about kosher Jewish magazines. The other ones are not kosher. There's nothing to speak about. Kosher Jewish magazines are allowed to be, you're allowed to glance at it on Shabbat as long as you ch avoid reading the captions on the bottom. Like we mentioned last week, Maran writes captions even of Jewish events like David and Goliath fighting is Asur on Shabbat. So therefore, captions that describe who's who, and they describe an event, those should not be run on Shabbat. But you could read just the, uh, the you could, excuse me, you could just look at the pictures of Shabbat. Some are matir, that if you have like a picture and you recognize the person, you just want to see quickly who the name is, that's mutar. Also, if you have pictures of tzaddikim, of Gedolei Israel rabbis, and they have their names on the bottom, they want you, and you want to know who that person is, is it mutar or not, then also, just to read the names of rabbis, that's also mutar. Or to just as a quick reminder, that's also mutar, to read the captions on Shabbat. This is for magazines. Now, you should know, we've spoken about magazines. I want to mention a little bit about J Radio Magazine. I haven't seen any newspaper that does this. It was amazing. There's a whole story of, uh, you know, just to let you know, the people behind the station of Nissan, Shemshah, bless him. It's amazing. You know, he heard this halakha that you can't read advertisements on Shabbat. So he said, what do you mean? A newspaper could only exists the only way you could fund the printing of newspapers is with advertisement and we want the people to learn the torah and i'm sure the people who are advertising also they're doing it because of jay radio and they want people to they want to encourage the radio and encourage the people also to have more and things so he did an amazing thing he took all the advertisement he put them in the back during the week they open up the back and see all the supporters who support jay root and the magazine go ahead and help them out the school as well but on shabbat he put a big sign nabotai be careful. After this page, you're about to read advertisements. It was great. That's a big, big honor that he did in the magazine for Shabbat. To come up with more and more prints. Move on to the next category, flyers. I see a question on the text. I'm going to answer it hopefully by the end of the class. I have it actually on my list as well. Flyers. Same thing. What is the content of the flyer? People put up these flyers in shuls if they're advertisements, it's asur, you makhshil harabim. If you're coming and you have a new restaurant and you want to put on, come in, buy one meal, or, or uh, yeah, buy one meal, get a kid's meal free, and you're putting it in, every, in the shuls for people to read it on Shabbat, that's a problem. You're putting it on the bulletin board because that's when people are walking in on Shabbat, it's a problem. You want to advertise, put it on the weekday. And now, if it's there on the weekday, now on Shabbat, the people put a sign, please do not read this on Shabbat. It's the same thing, you have these Torah pamphlets these store flies that they put out one, you know, one paper. And on the paper, they have advertisements. You have to be careful. You cannot read the, the not the whole flyer. You can't read the advertisement on Shabbat. You could read the Torah content, but the, the other things, the advertisements over there, buy this from this place and, and uh, hire this person, that's all forbidden to be read on Shabbat. Invitations. What about invitations? Can a person read an invitation on Shabbat? And the answer is, really, the invitation has the same halakha as letters. What does that mean? Technically, if you have an invitation, and, you know, it's usually you get an invitation by, by mail on Shabbat, for example, you shouldn't read it. You read it after Shabbat, because you know it's going to invite you to somewhere, and it's not necessarily that you need to know about it on Shabbat. 
However, Yakut Yosef brings down that if it's very, very necessary, a person wants to give out the invitations on Shabbat, really you shouldn't do it. He writes, you shouldn't do it. But it's very, very necessary. You could allow it to be given on Shabbat. Again, of course, it has to be, of course, that there's an Iruv and people are only going to carry, there's no problem with carrying on Shabbat, of course. But he says, you could allow people to give it out on Shabbat. He saw with his own eyes that once HaKam Valiyah was material. Why? Why is the mutan on Shabbat? Because sometimes people who don't get invited, they get very offended. And sometimes it causes two mahlokit, real mahlokit. And I've seen many fights happen, unfortunately, because of invitations. People didn't get it and things like that. So therefore, if it's very necessary and you really can't do it except for Shabbat, you can't do it on Shabbat for whatever reason, there's something what to rely on, again, with the condition that there's no other choice or that they're not going to carry it home. That's something to rely on. Also, if you feel that you have to glance at the invitation to see that something might be on Shabbat, for example, you have an invitation and it says on it that the Simha on Shabbat, the Shabbat meal will be, and you forgot where it's going to be, you forgot the address, you can look at the invitation again if you need it on Shabbat. If you don't need it, if it's not for Shabbat, you want to know which day of the week is your neighbor's wedding. You can't read down Shabbat. It's not for Shabbat. Read Motzei Shabbat. Nothing's going to change if you read on Shabbat. Motzei Shabbat is when you're going to decide. If you're going to, or Motzei Shabbat, if you read it, it's going to be the same thing as if you read on Shabbat. So those invitations cannot be run on Shabbat. And the rule with letters that we mentioned last week, once you read it once, that's it. You got to put it away. You can't use it again. Pretty much, we covered the main subjects. We have a question which I have over here also. And that is, what about all these things? Could a person read them in the bathroom? Could a person read all these things that we mentioned in the bathroom? Is there any hetair to read in the bathroom? Things that are forbidden? And this question bothered me also for a very long time. And the answer really, the hard answer is that whatever is forbidden to read is forbidden in your dining room, in your kitchen, as well as your bathroom. If it's asur, it's asur. However, I'll tell you like this. In the bathroom, if a person's mind wanders and he's thinking the wrong things, for example, in the bathroom, you're not allowed to think the Torah. So let's say you're a person that your mind is thinking about the Torah and you want to keep it you know, from not focusing on the Torah, you can be so much on the things that we brought above as heterim. I'm going to go through the whole class again. But all the heterim that we brought before, you could use it to be so and read them in the bathroom when it's very, very necessary. The last thing that we can conclude with this before we finish, that is that after hearing this class, so you got to keep or this class and last week's class, you got to keep the following points in mind. Number one is, if you heard this and you want to change things that are not permitted, I know it's not easy. It's very, very hard. So, first of all, if you want to work on yourself and stop to read things that are forbidden, start like this. Start with things that everybody agrees is asur. Non-Jewish newspapers, even during the weekday. Stop at least on Shabbat and then get to the weekday. And then, slowly, slowly, as you get stronger and stronger and stronger and you have to find yourself some good kosher reading material, start reading it start cutting down on materials that you need a heter to rely on so that's how you start start number one with things that are forbidden completely stop doing it stop reading that much about and then go on to the things that you will gradually improve on you know things that it's only mutarakon to this opinion it's only mutarakon to this opinion okay slowly slowly you could find your heteri you know slowly slowly cut down on these heteri until you read things that very agrees is mutatri Now, here's the last point, and it's very important. After listening to this class, be careful how you go about shooting and, uh, you know, shooting this isur. If you yourself want to change yourself, but when you come into other people and you see them reading things that, you know, you just learned that could be possibly asur. So you have to know, first of all, that you have to know the halakha very well. If you heard last week's class fully, and this week's class fully, and you feel that you got it very clear, fine. You know what's mutar and what's not mutar? Then you have permission to possibly speak. But if you don't know the halakot fully, don't go around and saying this is asur, this is not asur. It can be very possible that's mutar. Number two is, if they have a heter, then you have no obligation and sometimes no, need, no right to be muhir, to stop them. So you see your wife reading something, and she's reading a Jewish novel. She's just reading a Jewish novel is not the best thing. She's Faradi also. Listen, if she has what to rely on, you don't have to say it. Unless you, she appreciates it. That's a different story. If she appreciates it, okay, you can say, you know what I learned today on the, on the Halakha hour. 
The other thing is also, even if she's reading something that's forbidden, you always have to think of the alternative. What is the alternative? Remember we mentioned before, we came to this class two weeks ago, we said that there's a concept called mutab shi velo mezidin. If you're going to say something, and what's going to cause is, it's going to cause fights, it's going to cause a person to now do worse avirot than the reading. If he's reading these things, it's asumente banan. Now you're going to call it, you're going to tell him stopping these things, you're going to sit there and speak lashon hara. So you know what? Let them be shogim alihumizidin. Don't say anything. Especially if you know that they're going to do something worse. What does that mean? Oh, they're not going to listen to you at all, at all. This is Isud the Rabbanan. They have no hayub of tokahat. In Isud the Rabbanan, that you know for sure, they're not going to listen to you. You have no other to be mochia. And this is how we'll conclude the halakhot of what you could read on Shabbat. I think for the next month, we're going to take a break from these halakhot. The halakha hour will still be on at one day but we'll have already halakhot of the season. Next week, we'll be talking about the Barakah of Barak Aleinu. Next week will be December 3rd, because December 4th already we go to, we switch from Barak to Barak Aleinu. And very important class, make sure you listen to it next week. And then from then on, I think we'll be going into the halakhot of Hanukkah, which is coming up, as that's a shame. And until then, as that's a shame, have a wonderful week.